I told you. I told you. I knew it was coming. I'll never bet against the Beavers when it comes to the Ducks, baby. Welcome to another episode of Beaver Dash, one of the most electric episodes of Beaver Dash that we have up to date. I got my Capri Sun. I know to respect the pouch, but the Ducks, they didn't know to respect the Beavers, and that's why they took this L. How you doing, Gus? It's a great goddamn gosh darn day. Jeff, I am phenomenal. I am so glad to be here. I'm gonna that game on. I'm, I I've been holding back texting you because I wanted to to have our first conversation about this game over this podcast. But dude, that was unreal, and I, I still don't even know if I believe it. That was one of the top moments in my entire four years being here in Oregon State. That was just amazing. It was great. I can't wait to get into it. The Don, I see you in the chat, baby. I hope a lot of people tune in because you know what? This is not a podcast day. This feels like a party. Feels like we're all in Corvo celebrating this win, and I'm hyped for it. Oh, no. I feel the same way. This I, this has been a dream come true, even though I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. But, I mean, the fact that my uh, my little, you know, my head, I picture it now that I'm bald as a magic ball. And I rubbed my head all Friday afternoon for that game. And it told me that the Beavers were going to win. And look at that. It happened. All right, let's get into this first topic. How did we win that game? Now, that comes off as kind of a weird question. Like, how did we win that game? I mean, we all knew. Everybody in the chat knew that we were winning that game. But how logistically and specifically did we win that game? So, Hef, last week we discussed our three keys to winning this game. And I said last week, I said, Jamar has to have a career game. What do you do? He went out there. He had one of the best, probably his best game he's ever had. Career game, check. I said the second thing we have to do, we have to get them off the field on third down, and we have to convert on third down. Let me read you this. On third and fourth down, U of O, who has, they were top of the nation in third down conversion. They were converting at almost 60%. Our defense holds them to four for 11 on hmm. third down and fourth down. Us, on the other hand, and you know how much we've struggled on third down offensively this whole year. We go six for 16 on third down, not great, but four for six on fourth down. We check that key right there. And then the third key I had was, well, actually, I had two kind of. We had one, we had to pressure their QB, win the turnover battle. They turned it over three times. We turned it over zero. And then also the guy we've been talking about so much, me and you were hating on him. We tweeted about him at halftime. I'm trashing on my Snapchat story. The second half that Tristan Jibia played was one of the best halves of football I've seen played by any quarterback in college, period, ever. That was the highest graded half of football by PFF in the last 10 years by a college quarterback, which is insane. That was, I got to give credit where it's due. Jibia, I've been a hater against him. I've been saying for so long he shouldn't be starting. I said it in the second quarter of that game. What he did in that second half was amazing, and I give him some props where it's due. Oh, yeah. No, we, all right. I'm going to go over the chat here real quick. We got Garrett Van Doren. Jebbia is goaded now. Jebbia Heisman. All right. Now, let's not let's not get too out of hand here. But, you know, great second half by the guy. I know he played his heart out. And, you know, I want to say send my condolences to him. I hope that whatever injury he did might, or might have suffered in that game isn't a serious one. And he can come back and play for the Beavers sometime soon. Uh, Tommy Don, we scored more points than the Ducks. That's how we win. Wow. Thank you so much for that one, Tommy. Uh, Jebby is out this week, maybe the year as of three hours ago. Ooh, breaking news, Beaver fans. That's uh, some unfortunate breaking news because 
I was researching this literally a couple hours ago doing my prep for the show, and everything I saw was that he was optimistic to play this week. So, Chris, you're kind of our woes right now. If you want to <laughs> maybe drop a link or something in the chat, I'll check it out, maybe drop it to the, everyone else watching. But I was not aware of that. Obviously, we'll get into Jibia later. We'll get into the negativity of this game later. But you, why do you think we won this game? Well, I mean – we talked about this over and over and over again, as we usually do when we talk about things that the Beavers need to do. And they actually did one of the things that we talked about. They played a full game of football. You know, like the first half wasn't the greatest, but it was still facing an opponent that was on paper better than us. Played great. Second half, I don't know what Jonathan Smith did in that locker room, but the Beavers turned it up two, three, four notches for absolutely no reason. And that defense came out and actually played really well. They did everything they could against a team that offensively Mm -hmm. was way better than our defense is. And I mean, that's just the truth. Two interceptions. I mean, that's more than we've gotten in any game that I've ever watched at OSU. Uh, Jamar Jefferson continues the absolute tear that he's on 29 carries 226 yards and two touchdowns i mean the man's just an animal and i vividly remember watching this game and i hear the announcer say it's going to be a long night for oregon state's running back jamar jefferson two (laughs) seconds later jamar jefferson breaks out on an 82 yard touchdown run on his first carry so i mean long night yeah maybe for the for the ducks defense and jebbia somewhat turned it up i will say I will say, and I I hate to admit it, but Jebbia played really, really, really well in that second half. I mean, as a total 23 for 37, 263 yards and one touchdown, ain't that sh- ain't that shabby of a game. I think he had over 200 of those in the second half, too. So when you oh. look at it, that second half, it, it was – he just played an incredible half. It, we'll talk about later if that's replicable or whatever. But one thing you said about coming out of halftime, I think the turning point in this game – was we were down 24-13 at half, but we got the ball. We were receiving. We come and get the ball. We're, we go three and out. And I'm like, I think right then and there, I'm like, okay, we just went three and out. We're going to have a touchdown here. Go down 31-13. Game's over. That was the most proud I've been in that defense in my entire four years of watching them. They, I'm getting, like, chills talking about it because I that was it was amazing what they did. They forced U of O, who has this high-powered offense. They make them go three and out, get us the ball right back, and we drive back down the field. That was such an underrated part of that game because if we don't get that stop, we let them score a touchdown, we're not coming back from 31-13 against the Ducks. That was huge. That was that was just I, – I, I'm at a loss for words. That was incredible. I'm really proud of how the defense played. We talked about for so long. We might not have the most talent on either side of the ball, but we think we have – we have to at least play with heart and play with fight. And that defense, well, they did struggle. There were some laps and coverages. I can honestly say that was the toughest I've seen them play. That was the hardest I've seen them play. And I, I got to salute him for that. Yeah. And I mean, anybody that follows me on Twitter, by the way, if you want to follow me on Twitter, ba-boom. And if you want to follow Gus on Twitter, ba-boom. Uh, but one of the things, if anybody that follows my Twitter knew, I was tweeting about Jebbia from the moment the game started till second half. And it's honestly like Jebbia went in the locker room, pulled up my Twitter, <laughs> and realize that oh maybe I need to do something better and he, somebody lit a fire under that man's rear end because it was incredible and the same thing with that defense the defense we trashed the defense a lot and rightfully so but that's it, 
many weeks in a row I've said that the defense needs to come out and actually just play like they want to play. And I have, like you said, like I got chills watching that game, man. That defense actually looked like they wanted to play. It was incredible. Everything about that game was absolutely incredible from the play calling from Smith, from the play of our players, just the way that Jebbia turned it up in the second half, Jamar Jefferson redeeming himself from that fumble he had last year. It was all together the perfect scenario for the Beavers. And to top it off, I mean, it was foggy in Corvallis. It was just a looming day yeah. for the Ducks. It was a looming day for the Ducks. Gus? Tommy, uh, acknowledge the chat, Tommy. I do agree with you. My tweets are a bit boo-boo. You go back a couple years ago, my Twitter game in high school was pretty sick. It's kind of fallen off since then. Um, that's something I'll have to maybe talk with you about privately, talk about how I can bring that Twitter up from being boo-boo. But half another thing that we've talked about the last two weeks when we when we lost to UW, we lost to WSU, we talked about how we have to win the time of possession battle. And even that game against Cal we won, they still held the ball for 15 more minutes. They And realistically, they outgained us that game against Cal. They had the ball longer. They could have beat us. This was the first game this season we held the ball for longer. We won the time of possession battle against Oregon, which seems insane. We had the ball for 34 minutes. They had it for 25. And if you were to ask me – we're going to win this game and we're going to do it because we have the ball in our hands longer. I would have never believed that. I would have thought we're going to get lucky. We're going to have a couple of huge runs by Jamar. We did have one of them, but honestly, it goes back to Jibia. There were multiple drives in that fourth quarter, converting on fourth down, converting on third down, long drives. And just the toughness that I saw out of that offense, I have not seen this. I haven't seen in four years being here. The, another thing I want to say about Jibia, and I know we keep talking about him, but I think it's kind of deserving because we trash the guy more than anyone else so it's when he does something like this he deserves a little bit of praise i love the fact when he got injured the training staff was trying to bring him to the locker room immediately is what I, I was reading the story they were trying to bring him to the locker room and he refused to go obviously it sounds like oh i would do that too but i just love the fact that he's injured trying to, they're trying to bring him to the locker room and he says no i'm staying on the bench and watching the end of this game and then he also there's this podcast came out uh apologies i'll find it later give credit to the source, but uh, Jebbia was saying that when Chance Nolan went in, he had 100% confidence he was going to get there because he said he has complete faith in Nolan, and he said if I can't get ready to go this week, which it sounds like, according to Chris, he's not going to be, Jebbia has complete faith in Nolan as well, and I think that kind of shows maybe something we haven't talked about enough is maybe the guy is just a really good teammate because the fact is that he, you look at him on the sidelines, he's always high energy, he's dapping up the defense, and the fact that he's putting all of his faith and trust into Trance Nolan, who's getting his literally his first career snap with the game on the line against the 15th ranked team in the nation. And Jibia's response is, oh, I had no doubt he's going to score that. That's just, I, I think it showed a lot about Jibia's leadership, maybe that we haven't touched on. And it also shows that he might do things that don't show up in the box score every game. Yeah. Uh, well, like I said earlier, one of the things, and now that we know officially that he's probably going to be out for a week, maybe the year, which gonna have to check our sources on that. But thank you again, Chris. Uh, is actually a question for you: Is the rest of the season looking up, kind of the same, or looking down now that we have Chance Nolan coming in, stepping in at the helm here at the quarterback position? So it's actually interesting to bring this up, and you know, I have so much faith in Chance Nolan. I think he's gonna be a great player for us. If it's I. I'll say this. I think Jebbia, after his second-half performance, obviously he earned himself another game of starting. He deserved to start against Utah. And if it, if he's not going to be able to, that's a shame. 
That being said, I think Nolan's going to be a very good replacement, very capable. It could even be better. But at least for his first game, that is a tough debut to make, you know, on the road at Utah. I think Nolan might look a little rough. He's going to be nervous, obviously. He's going to look rough in his first game. But long term, I think we're still, we still could win two more games this season. I don't think we're going to run the table with Nolan, which hurts me to say. It's just going to be tough, I think, to move on. Put a guy basically out there in his first time ever playing the game against a very well-coached school in Utah. It's going to be difficult. But what, what do you think? I, yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, I've been harping to get Jebbia out of the position for a while. And I mean, even after that second half performance, it's still in question for me whether I think that he deserves to be the starting quarterback. Um, there's also not much that I can really come out and say about Chance Nolan because, the dude, you know, got pushed into the end zone and scored the go ahead touchdown. Not really anything spectacular about it. I'm sure you could have thrown, you know, your dad out there and he could have got pushed into the end zone for a touchdown. But I'm excited to say the least. I'll put it that way. I'm excited because I think that this is a new and interesting step that the Beavers are going to have to take. And coming up against a Utah team that has struggled to even play any games this year, you know, they're 0-2 already. We have four games under our belt. They have two. I think that they'll be a little bit slower. It'll be definitely be not an easy transition for chance no one to come into this starting position but it's definitely going to be a lot easier than if we were to play a team that was playing just as many games as us and getting just as much time on the field as us yeah yeah and i'm we'll discuss that utah game a bit more depth later on the last thing i want to ask i know we're staying on this topic for a while but we beat the ducks so i think we we deserve to talk about this for a while i do want to ask you this because after the game uh jonathan smith he was talking about how he knows how big of a moment this is for oregon state because he has been here, and he says one of the turning points in a culture for a program is getting that signature win. He finally feels like he has it. And he feel, he was saying it's so special that it comes against the Ducks because all the recruits from inside Oregon, they see this game, they see us beat the Ducks, and it just helps get some of those top players within the state of Oregon, right? Is this a turning point for the Beavs? Do you think this could be a turning point, or do you think this is a flash in the pan? Uh, no, yeah, I think it ruffles the feathers in a few ways, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, one of the things that I saw, I forgive me for not remembering the player, but there was a player on U of O's team who originally committed to Oregon state and then ended up taking his visit to U of O and decided U of O was the better, you know, the better area for him to go. Hopefully in the future, a game like that, watching the Beavers play so well with arguing, you know, like a team that is arguably not as good as the ducks were supposed to be. Or, you know, I'm sorry. The Ducks were arguably a better team than the Beavers, but stuff like that, you know, really gets in people's heads. Like when you're looking for recruits and you're out there trying to convince players to come to your program, Jonathan Smith has like the ace in the hole with that one. You know, 2020, we we beat the Ducks, you know, and we can't call it its original rivalry name, but, you know, we won that rivalry game. And a lot of players are going to look at that and be like, wow, okay, well, I want to play for the school that, knows how to win even if they're not supposed to win on paper so i think that the recruiting is definitely going to get a lot better hopefully in the future and hopefully we get more than just a bunch of three-star recruits hopefully we can start getting up into them the four and five-star recruits yeah yeah i mean dude that's just, it just feels so good for the fact that we had no five stars on this roster and we went against a team in u of o who has phil knight they have they have 20 different uniforms they never wear the same uniform twice. They have loaded with five stars, and we beat them. It was just so satisfying. But I'm looking at the chat right now. 
Everyone's talking about Jamar. So I say, let's go to our next topic, which is this. It's obvious on the offensive side of the ball who our player of the year is through four games. It's Jamar. Everyone knows that. On we'll get we'll talk a little bit more about Jamar in a second, but just quick question. Who is your defensive player of the year for the Beavers through four games? For the Beavers. Oh, through or the defense through four games. Or were you when when you were praying? Were you just looking at? No, 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 I looked at both. It's just kind of tough. I mean, I like Wright. He's, it's it's kind of tough. I mean, there's nobody really on the defense that I can say that I think is like an out out there. Like you know, like how we have Jamar Jefferson on the offense. It's gonna be Jamar Jefferson mm-hmm. as player of the year for the Beavers. Yeah. But the defense, there's just a lot of players that are coming together and actually giving it an effort. One of the people that I expected to be there by the end of the season was Hamakar. And to be honest, he's not even no. on my radar for player of the year on the defense. But, yeah, what, what about you? Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. The guy that kind of struck me was – and I do agree. I think we play as a unit. And obviously our defense, even – but we did play very good situationally against the Ducks on Friday. We came up with that big stop in the third quarter, and then we stopped him in the fourth quarter to get the ball back to us. Played very good situationally. By large, our defense has not been great. One guy, though, I want to say is I think Avery Roberts. He's been he's been really solid for us. He had 12 tackles against the Ducks. He's leading the Pac-12 in tackles right now with 100 or with 44, averaging like 12 a game, roughly 11 and a half a game. He's he's been solid. But I think you can't really attribute it to one guy because I was thinking about it this way. He's the second best. Like he's not the linebacker the teams are preparing for. Teams are preparing for Hamilcar. That's why his stats have been low, and we've been a little tough on him, but. I mean, he's getting double teamed every single time. So it puts Roberts in a position that he can make more tackles, right? Hamilcar, though, might be more important. It's tough, it's tough to say. That being said, let's talk about what people want to talk about. Jamar Jefferson. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think he's Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. I honestly think that. What, what do you think? No, by far. I mean, like, dude, the guy threw four games, 675 yards seven touchdowns on 91 carries. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous in my opinion. I mean, if not even the Pac-12, like, he is offensively one of the best players in all of college football at this moment. And like I said, like I mentioned that moment in the game where the the commentators were saying this is going to be a long night for Jamar Jefferson. Like, no, it's not going to be a long night for Jamar Jefferson because he's on a – even if it is through four games, this man is on an absolute tear through any defense that he plays against. Nobody can stop him, and I think that he continues that for the rest of the season. And he deserves, if not to be Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, somewhere deserves an award for Offensive Player of the Year in all of college football. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I Last week I was doing the crossover show um, with Ducks Dash, and to me point blank, he said, do you think Jamar could rush for a thousand yards this season? I'm thinking, I'm like, we have seven games, thousand yards. That's pushing it. Cause I didn't think he was going to have a great game against the ducks. Honestly, I thought if we were going to win that game, we were going to have to do it. Jibby was going to step up, which he did. I didn't think we were going to score 41 points last week. Honestly, a thousand yards is not looking out of reach. He just has to rush for 108 yards a game for the last three of the season. And he's gets a thousand yards. If that is not packed all player of the year, then I don't know what is he, he has just been – he has blown past every single expectation I can have out there. He's basically had one half of good quarterback play this year, and he's still put up those stats. And honestly, like, the defense is prepared. He has a big rush every single game. I think every single game so far he's rushed for over – he's had one rush for at least 50 yards or more, including the last two games. He had one to start our first series of 75 and then 82. 
he's just crazy, but is it realistic to continue to expect this out of him, half or or no? Well, I mean, after week one, I said that. After week two, I said that. After week three, I was like, okay, maybe he's going to slow down against the Ducks. And here we are talking about Jamar Jefferson for another week about how great he did. It's completely realistic that this man just demolishes every defense in front of him. I mean, the fact that our offensive line lost so many people this year and he's still doing this with a new offensive line, one or two returning guys, you know, like it's it's it all odds are stacked against him. Bad quarterback play, bad mm-hmm. passing game, weaker offensive line than most defensive lines in the Pac-12. And he, he's still out here putting up, I mean, dude, against the team that's ranked 15th in the nation and you're rushing for 226 yards, two touchdowns, somebody's got to open their eyes and look at you. Like at this point, there's no reason that – and another thing that's pretty crazy is that if he really wanted to, which I hope he doesn't because I think the team is going to get a lot better next year – with uh, Trey Lowe and Treshawn Harrison actually getting their waivers filled and hopefully recruitment goes really well and he stays and the Beavers are, you know, supposed to be good. But if he does go, I wouldn't be surprised if he went pretty early in the draft this year in one of the earlier rounds because of the way he's playing. I mean, his freshman year was incredible. His sophomore year, not so good due to injuries and just not playing very well. But I mean, this year, it's ridiculous. Like, there's no reason that this man couldn't go into the draft and get picked up by a team right now, yeah. let alone be Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. No, he he is a certified NFL talent. He, he, you know, in fantasy football, when some guys you don't start based on the matchup, and then you have your guys like Derrick Henry, Tyreek Hill, you start them no matter what. They're must-starts in basketball, right? You have guys that can get played off the court, like a Michael Porter Jr. You can play him off the court. And there's guys like LeBron and AD who you got a game plan around them. I, that's Jamar in Pac-12. There's no matchup where someone's like, oh, well, someone else is going to have to step up because they're going to lock down Jamar. I don't think he's a guy. Any, I, I thought if anyone could do it, it was going to be the Ducks. If the Ducks can't slow him down, I think he's matchup proof. Who is going to – who can stop Jamar? It's the only – you can't stop him. you got to just try to slow him down because that's how good he is. No, yeah, I agree. But we're running a running a little low on time here, so let's hop into our third topic. How do we keep the momentum going against Utah? Let's start it off with you, Gus. So my three keys coming into this before we got the Kirshner bomb was one, I thought Jibia being healthy would be key to this game. Just because, like I said, I don't love Nolan's first career start being against a very well-coached Utah team on the road. And then also Utah, they've – I know I just said Jamar's matchup proof, but Utah has done very well against the run through two games so far. I don't think they're going to slow down Jamar by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think we need solid quarterback play to win this game. I think we we might not need second-half Jibia, but we at least need some consistency, which puts – I think no one can do it, but I'd feel more comfortable with Jibia out there based off how well he played in that second half. Regardless, the other two things I think we need to do is we need to win the time possession battle again. If we can do that, I'm very confident we can win the game. And then also, if we can win the turnover battle, we've say all you want about Jebbia, but mostly throughout this year, he's done a very good job of not turning the ball over, regardless of how poorly he's played at times. He hasn't turned the ball over. And we know Jamar, Jamar doesn't fumble. Utah, on the other hand, they've turned the ball over four more times than takeaways. So I think if we can win that turnover battle, win time of possession, and we just get solid quarterback play, 
I really think we can keep it going. I think we can win this game. Yeah. No, I would say that my three my three points kind of align with yours a little bit there, but just playing the same game is my mm-hmm. first one. Playing the same game that they came out and played against Oregon, same intensity. Just how do we keep the momentum going? By keeping the momentum going. Like that's a stupid answer, but I mean it's true. Like they need to go into that game and not act like, oh, we beat Oregon. Oh, we can steamroll Utah. No, you can't. You got to go into that game thinking, okay, we beat Oregon, but here's another tough opponent. We need to do the same thing. And we're not, we, you know, don't forget where you came from and don't forget what you just did last week, but do it again. Yeah. And we've seen that before with the Beavers over our four years. So remember our freshman year, they almost beat Stanford when they were like number nine. We almost beat him, came down to a lost field goal. Then we come out the next week. I can't remember who we played, but got obliterated so i'm hoping that's not the case i think if we win this game it really shows the program shifting it's not a flash in the pan mm-hmm. but that being said utah i have two points so utah for one i don't think they're as bad as their record indicates they've played arguably the best team in the usc i mean in the pac-12 in usc and then they also played washington who's a solid team they beat us and then also utah's zero and two so they're going to be hungry they do not want to start zero and three especially how good they were last year with all that being said, I understand Utah's a good team. They're going to come out hungry, blah, blah, blah. They're favored by 11 and a half points. And they're 0-2. We just beat the Ducks, and they're favored by 11 and a half points. Is that insulting? What's your what, – how do you read that? I mean, it's just more people not thinking the Beavers can get it done. And I mean, I guess if last week is an indication of not putting us down by – last week, I'm pretty sure, what was it, 12 and a half, 13 and a half? Now this week it's 11 and a half. I mean, that's fine with me. And I'm sure that's fine with Jonathan Smith and his team because they don't care about, you know, what the spreads are, or what we're supposed to lose by. They just go out and play football. And at this point, if everybody wants to underestimate the Beavers, we can just continue to keep shocking the nation with these wins that we have, you know. And I mean, this wouldn't really be shocking the nation, but mm-hmm. still, shocking the Pac-12. Yeah. But um, I had two more points. I don't yeah. want to throw out there for the keys to the game, just real quick. I mean, my second one, pretty simple. I have written down here, just Jamar, Jamar, Jamar. Um, keep giving that man the ball. Until he can't run anymore, you keep giving that man the ball. And then my third point is take advantage of a team that has struggled to even play a game this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, Utah, not to you know harp on them for what's going on at their school, and it's definitely not the football program's fault, but, I mean, if you guys can't even play games because – of COVID issues and COVID restrictions, keeping you from even getting on the field. Like that stuff affects you. I mean, look at what happened to Cal. We played Cal. And the reason, one of the bigger reasons that we did so well against Cal is because a lot of their players couldn't even practice for like two weeks. And I mean, if you're not playing football games and Oregon state is playing football games, getting experience, I mean, it's just tough. And I think that Oregon state needs to come out and really just smack Utah in the mouth and show them like, you know, we've been doing this for four weeks now and you guys are just getting your, you know, your, your stuff together. I think it'd be an easy way to come out on top, especially in the beginning of the game, is to just take advantage of a team that hasn't had as much time to prepare or even get in shape. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I That, that is one of the keys. I, we have a huge advantage because we our team has done such a good job with COVID protocols. And I know people say, like, oh, that's luck, but that, that's part of the game. Like Part of the game this season was managing your team's health. And we've done a very good job of that, and we deserve – to have the advantage going against a team like Utah who hasn't been able to get under control. That being said, I'm seeing in the chat right now people talking about some bets. I'm going to throw this out there. The Beavers have covered three weeks in a row pretty easily. Dave, 
I know you're a degenerate gambler. I'm going to tell you, put the beeves on your parlay this week. Even if they don't win, which I think they're going to win, I know they're going to cover that 11.5 spread. That's my pick of the week. Um, Half, with that being said, do you have a final score prediction for this game? Final score prediction. Yeah, I would say, you know, I'm going with another big one. I, I think that it's going to be just like against Oregon uh, this week or last week. And I think it's going to be like last year that Utah is going to come out and put up a lot of points on the board. But I think this year the Beavers are more prepared to come out and put just as many points on the board. I think Chance Nolan is going to have a good game. I know Jamar Jefferson is going to have a good game. So I'm going to go with 38-31 Oregon State. I like that. And that's that's actually a point I want to touch on, which you just reminded me is if we need extra motivation to show that we're not a fluke, they beat us like 55 to 7 last year on our home field. So that's plenty of motivation to go out there. I think it's going to be very close. I do not think we're going to go out there, steamroll these guys. I think we're going to win by one possession. My initial um, reading is 28-27. I might revisit that, but I'm saying 28-27. I know we got one minute left. Before you let you send us out of here, one guy that we haven't given props to, and I meant to shout him out, but Coach Jonathan Smith, I've had my doubts about you. There's no doubt anymore you are the man for the job. You coached a hell of a game, and I'm very proud of that. Tef, with that, I'll let you send us out of here. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for coming in, stopping by, celebrating this big, big rivalry win against the Ducks, and now we're on to the next with Utah. Uh, we have columns published published exclusively at sportspack12.com. And you can follow them um, on their social media at SportsPack12. Uh, you can also find us at dashports.tv, which is our website, or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook at Sports. Oh, I'm sorry, Dashports TV. Or if you want to see uh, me and Gus anymore, boom, I'm going to self or shamelessly plug myself down here and plug Gus over here. Go ahead and follow us. Uh, yep. Yeah, thank you for coming out. Shout out Jonathan Smith. Shout out the Beavers. Um, shout out no, the chat. You guys are sick. Fun having you guys in here. Yep. No shout out to the Ducks, though. Uh, take that L. Go back to Eugene. And uh, Terry Baker still needs a wheelchair. We're out of here. Adios.